Thank you for listening to Scandinavian Crimes Podcast. Be sure to check out the episode links and be part of our other social media platforms where you can leave a topic suggestion or even share some of your insights regarding the subject matter of the episode. We will always do our best to provide a well-researched episode, but sometimes due to limited access to information and translation issues, some information can be lost. It is therefore good to do your own research and get a deeper understanding of a case of your own interest. So with that all said, let us start today's episode. Welcome to Scandinavian Crimes. My name is Devante, and I would love for you to say hello to my lovely co-host, Delilah. Hi, everyone. And on this podcast, we will be covering famous Scandinavian criminals who make their mark throughout Scandinavian history. While the United States is considered the serial killer slash crime capital of the world, there are little known serial killers and criminals across the globe. While some of these names may not be familiar to you, some of these killers and criminals terrify their home countries with their various reigns of terror, some more terrifying than others. And on this third episode, we already have a slight deviation from the last two. And when I say deviation, I'm mostly referring to the fact that this killer is not necessarily a product of their environment. This killer was someone who displayed antisocial behavior and psychotic tendencies. But one thing I can say about this killer and the last is that they both were employees working for nursing homes that targeted similar types of people in similar age ranges. So today, we are covering the notorious Aino Nikopkowski. Between 2004 and 2009, Nikopkowski worked in a range of hospitals, care homes, and patient homes. There, she killed five elderly patients using sedatives and opiates. Nikopkowski was apprehended in March 2009 after families realized the correlation of death following her visits. Nikopkowski would arrive at patients' homes and administer deadly doses of medications such as sedatives and opioids like I mentioned just a second ago. The patients were not prescribed these medications, so it was kind of interesting how like random some of these things really were. Nikopkowski claimed the victims died of either natural causes or accidental overdoses, but she was convicted and sentenced to life for her crimes in 2010. Finnish media outlets went crazy with this news as there aren't many serial killers that come out of Finland. However, some outlets would call her the angel of death. Since her murders took place in the early 2000s, once people started to realize the correlation between her visits and the death of their relatives or friends or anything of that nature, she was quickly caught within relatively five years time. Since her murders took place in the early 2000s, once people started to realize the people she visited were dying, she was caught relatively quickly. Over the course of five years, she killed five people. The case began to unravel after one of the victims was taken to the hospital near death. During the preliminary investigation, the police unearthed several graves of Nikopkowski's victims. Nikopkowski has continually denied all accusations and according to her defense counsel, will not be satisfied with anything but the dismissal of all charges. Their defense also said, quote, she is currently considering all possible instances where to lodge an appeal, end quote. Now, the rejection of the appeal would leave the team not surprised, but also according to the defense, the case would have been more about reevaluating the evidence to prove that her patients died of natural causes that were completely out of her control. In its decision, the court appeal concluded that the murders and attempted murder 
was committed in cold blood by administering non-prescribed drugs, primarily sedatives, to patients in poor health. The court also viewed that Nikopkowski took advantage of patients' trust with the medical staff. Now, according to the psychological examination, the defendant was fully criminal liable for her actions, but exhibits, for example, a pronounced inclination to lie. In addition, the nurse also faced aggravated assault charges for spiking her co-worker's coffee with eye drops and theft charges from stealing from the victims of poisoning. When she was arrested, the police seized roughly 1,800 pills from her during the investigation in Helensky District Court in December 2010 and pleaded not guilty. Though the court convicted her, she was sentenced to life in prison. Minimum of 12 years must be served before she was even likely to get parole. During the mental health assessment, psychiatrists found out that Nikopkowski had psychopathic and antisocial personality disorders, but she was deemed culpable for her actions despite the assessment results. The sentence was upheld by Helensky Court of Appeals in March 2012. Supreme Court of Finland dismissed her leave to appeal in November 2012. After her conviction, Nikopkowski changed her name to Anne-Marie Melgren. Now, for the sake of simplicity, I'm not going to use her new name just for the rest of the story. I'm just going to continue to call her by the name we've been using this entire time. In May 2020, the Helensky Court of Appeals rejected Nikopkowski's parole application. Nikopkowski had requested to be paroled in March 2021 when she would have served the legal minimum of 12 years. Based on court information, her parole was rejected because she was a high-risk re-offender due to the nature of the situation. Nikopkowski was born in November 1950 and her current age is 71 years old. As of today, we have no idea why she killed those five people. However, one thing we do know for sure is at least she ain't going nowhere no time soon. And that is the story of Ein Nikopkowski. That was a wonderful explanation. I just want to say, because this is a Finnish name, I think you're supposed to pronounce it a little bit more with melody. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like, um, Nikopikoski, or like, Nikopikoski. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know Finnish, but I think it's like, they have a little bit of melody um, when they speak. Uh, but you know it's okay like it's like you're american it's fine like it's uh, i yes, can't even say yeah, i can't even I'm, I'm speak finnish it. it's finnish <laughs> he says finnish finnish <laughs> 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 i mean <laughs> but this case was very interesting and it's actually similar ways as the previous one that we uh, the previous episode that we had um yeah. which is even though the other one is a bit older uh, and this is a more modern or like newer uh, crime, uh, which I th- things that I thought was interesting here is that it took her a little bit longer, a longer period of time. So five years, five people is so like one killing per year. And the only time she was busted was because one of her patients, uh, I guess, if you can call it that, or victims... Uh, she failed to kill them basically and Mm -hmm. due to modern ways of handling I guess and doing detective work and like modern technology they were able to like kind of see that there was a pattern Um, and uh, 
yeah, this is a very, it's very simple, honestly, like with the, like the traits that she have and also her colleagues explaining, even though we don't have anything of her younger years, we do see like tendencies of like lying, aggressiveness, uh, spiking or like doping or stuff as well with her colleagues or co-workers. Mm-hmm. So this is a very like here we can see that she have tendencies of um yeah, cause it's, it's it's so crazy because like when you always think about like people who have antisocial behaviors or even the way people use antisocial nowadays mm-hmm. it's not used correctly. Antisocial does not mean someone doesn't like to talk or you know be alone or you know they just have this depressing gray energy antisocial behavior usually refers to someone who is unable to properly sympathize with someone someone who has a problem understanding human emotions and you know what's right and what's wrong because their connection to how they feel is like you know it doesn't exist almost like they have a very 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 small emotional range and a lot of that range is usually like anger jealousy and like just this desire to like manipulate um and it's like well i I think that's more uh you know manipulate is more like you know sociopathic but you know some you know along those lines where it's just like these traits um they're very good at blending in you know people who have difficulty like antisocial behavior they're very good at blending in um, which is why I'm not surprised about the fact that, um, like, even she being at her age when she before she even got arrested, that she even got as far as she did or was able to do the things that, you know, she was able to do for even as long as she did. Um, because a lot of them time, they're, they're very intelligent, even though it seems like she was just maybe a little dumb and she didn't kill that person. In reality she still played it very safe like that's what i'm saying like i I think she was smart with it like i don't think that even though i think it's more a mistake thing i like murderers i guess can make mistakes as well that's why they get busted uh yeah but yeah i don't think she played it very safe and smart if she would have done this during the same period of time as the previous um, episode that we discussed about uh Mm -hmm. like in the 80s or anything like that I think that oh she probably could have got away with she it got way a, yeah and even then <laughs> it was so easy because like now they do have methods and like they make sure that they journal and put like make sure that everything is documented what prescription that should have and use or like everything like that mm-hmm. back in the days I don't think I don't, like I don't really know how it was in the 80s but I think everything was a bit more chill <laughs> Uh, they I wouldn't even say chill. I would say like a, it was most things were on paper. So like, you know, it would like remember, have been easy to fake. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to fake, you know, paperwork. It's easy to steal paperwork, destroy paperwork. It's tangible things. Mm. Even in 2000, a lot of medical records were like online. They were virtual files. Mm. Um, even though some hospitals, I do know, like even at that time, they were transferring stuff to like virtual files. Still, a lot of hospitals function electronically. So she got caught one for for two layers of reasons, like you said, because she didn't the the victim didn't die fully, and that's hard to predict because you know opioids and stuff like that take longer to affect certain people of body weight. Uh, gender goes into that effect as well. But then on top of that. 
you know, the doctors was probably like, hmm, this don't sound right. Yeah. And was able to, you know, verify like this person was on something that they're not even prescribed. So that that definitely they just caught her slack and just timing. And I think that's probably why serial killers have a harder time nowadays Every, than yeah. obviously back in the day, because mm-hmm. everything is recorded. People have cameras in their homes. Your cell phone can call the cops. You can be like, hey, Siri, call whatever. Or, hey, Google, or hey, Alexa. So it's so easy to get caught nowadays, which I think why we don't hear about too many serial killers going or not getting caught, you know, at uh, least not getting pretty caught, readily. Yeah. Because yeah, I think like they, that they most. They get caught pretty well. Yeah, I think that most serial killers uh, were very. It was easier for them back in like the 80s and 90s, I think. But like. Oh, yeah. It was uh, <laughs> a lot of the very. Um, um, very well-known crimes were during those time areas, I guess. Um, mm. Because the technology, like, everything exploded technology-wise after, I guess it was the 90s, and, the, and then progressively just increased so fast. Phones, cameras, like, everything. So, um, yeah, I think it's... I'm glad that she was even though she played safe, she didn't kill as many as the previous one. Mm. Uh, and she was stopped early enough so that she couldn't do more damage, I guess. One thing I did notice is that I realized like the Finnish court did let, not they didn't let her leave, but they basically kept her in there because they deemed her a risk. Mm. Now, I wonder if... You know, let's say, for example, you take an assessment for, you know, a psychological evaluation and you don't fall on that scale. Do they let you leave for like, is it solely based on your psychological assessment or your mental health? Like, let's say you killed like um, like the last person. Let's say they killed like, you know, 138 people speculated to have killed 138 people. mm, It's more a finished thing. They, They show zero mercy to like especially if they see hard evidence i think that they are very like they are very fair if that makes sense so and because also like there was he, I, killed, when he, he got only, charged for it. 22 people right the last guy it was a he yeah. got charged for 22 people but it was speculated to have killed 138 but he still got to serve 12 years and he only had 10 years supervised outside of jail and he got to live the rest of his life but she didn't at least according to what we saw online. Are you so. you know I, I I get your point like it could have something to do with that but also if you compare with the previous uh, case he was actually he didn't show any uh, what we know of he didn't show any tendencies as you said of any traits in that way so maybe mm-hmm. they just seemed that and also he had 12 year of good behaviors we don't really know if uh she was having any good behavior if any way even though she applied for parole it doesn't mean that she actually was good during her stay for that for those 12 years so it could be also that if you have to take that into consideration as well but i also think like based on what you've told and said and like and everything that we know of i wouldn't either deem her even the chance to be on parole because of her tendencies that she has shown previously, 
even though it's 12 years after or later um yeah like so i'm sorry be like would concern. you feel comfortable no <laughs> no like honestly but this is also too like someone who's used like like i said i'm used to it, like an american system but especially specifically in her case i definitely don't think i would be comfortable letting her out because anyone with that kind of mental health it's one thing to have depression it's one thing to be anxious it's one thing to have ptsd but to have antisocial psychotic behavior socio um sociopathic behavior that means you are like the highest of risk to kill someone again because you don't feel emotions the same way that you know a regular person should feel emotions you know sociopaths they mostly think of themselves if you are a threat to them in any way shape or form whether it be physical or non-physical they're still likely to just be like i'm going to manipulate you and i might still kill you anyway like and same thing you know going for like someone who's showing antisocial personality disorders they're like very like their emotions are very disconnected but even though they saw these tendencies she still didn't get any um any help from that i guess usually don't they try to like not put them on a mental house or anything like that or i mean wouldn't they do some kind of treatment or try to like or is it is she so far gone that they just decided that uh, it doesn't matter she's still valid to go to jail or you know do you know what i mean like i feel like usually don't they really do those things it's it's really tough because like i remember reading a case when you know i was in college where like someone who had these tendencies they didn't commit any crime they turned themselves in because they recognized that what they've been feeling their entire life wasn't normal so like that's an instance of like someone in their environment who was basically giving them whatever they needed emotionally mentally but yet still something was wrong which means which usually can happen you know your brain certain parts of your brain can just be underdeveloped which can cause these you know um anomalies to pop up of people who just don't feel things or they just you know they only are intact with very specific dark emotions that can happen um but that's that was an example of someone who was in a good environment and knew that what he was feeling wasn't normal and turned himself in and then he was able to get help and he had a decent at least from what i read he had a decent life because he didn't commit anything he turned himself in and he was scared of what he might do and i think in most cases when people do pop up like this they don't realize that feeling that cold and disconnected is normal um isn't normal until they get to like a certain age and then they're like why aren't people thinking the way that i do but then they learn how to blend in and fake it and i I don't know if anybody's seen the tv show dexter but it's kind of like that where dexter was someone who was traumatized as a kid but also he had like this these tendencies to kill he enjoyed killing but his dad was a cop and he realized that he had these tendencies to kill so he raised him to only kill criminals and he taught him how to be a detective to investigate before you kill make sure you have the right person then satisfy that urge by using it for good but like that's also a product of environment as well where you can teach someone either how to deal with it or in that extreme case of a tv show teach someone how to kill bad guys oh my god <laughs> so, um but you know it's just, that's, think- that's what 
like if we think of those cases that you mentioned right now uh i understand what you mean like either like to me it sounds like even though you have these traits you can still do something about it if you have a good environment to help you detect those things mm-hmm. so it could also be environmental but as well right like if i understood correctly so yeah. it's like it's not but only if we don't really know her her background per se but if she didn't have that uh, that uh, growing up that environment she needed to like be able to because apparently as it looked like she was lying and stuff because she didn't like she denied it even though like she didn't feel that it was anything bad it sounds like uh, because she was basically denying everything yeah like it's you can i'm not faulting her parents because i don't know the situation from i'm going to assume naturally let's just assume she grew up like everybody else chances are she probably just grew up and was floating under the radar she probably went through that period where things seemed a little off and then she learned how to mask it and yeah that's what i was thinking as well Masking. went about her life and mm. then you know unfortunately because she was masking it for so long eventually you could only bury something like that for so long before those urges or the desire to do stuff like that starts to kick in and they just like i could do this right now like because it's human and no matter what anyone says it is human sometimes your mind thinks of things randomly because you wonder things you never like been like holding someone's baby like what if i accidentally drop it even though you know you're not like, even though you know but you're not going to drop the child, like, like anxious, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to drop. But it's it's like the same thought, like you know, I don't want to drop the child. Like you think it, but then you your mind quickly. It's just like letting your mind know, like this is a possibility. And then you're as a normal person, you're able to be like, all right, let me just hold the baby tighter and you know go about my day. And the thought just leaves or your mind. not hold the baby at all. <laughs> because- e- exactly. So you do things preventatively to not put yourself in that situation. But in this case. I feel like because she masked it for so long, she was just like, nobody nah, would know. I'm going to submit. Yeah, I, I can submit to my thoughts and who would know? It's just me. And mm-hmm. her mind never created those, you know, scenarios where she could avoid it. So she gave in probably. So who's to say? I, I don't know. But y'all let me know. What, what do you feel is what's going on in her head? Because she did show antisocial, you know, personality disorder and, you know, just an inclination to lie and she was very much you know psychopathic in certain ways so y'all let us know how y- how y'all feel about the case um and you know all that jazz <laughs> <laughs> and uh i hope you enjoy the episode i hope you you know enjoy these uh little things that we're doing uh we're going to try and also we're going to reach random points in time as well and cover maybe some super old stuff but also some modern things that are really cool as well so uh go ahead delilah saying goodbye to the audience and goodbye everyone thank you all for listening (laughs) (laughs) um and uh just a little word of advice for everyone you know yesterday i said try bacon i said yesterday uh it was yesterday for us though but it's i mean true true so last episode i said have a piece of bacon it'll make your day better well today be sure to have eight glasses of water today okay glass of water, make sure you eggs. Drink your water. oh my god 
eggs and bacon this time, not, not a glass of water. Well, if you want to have eggs and bacon, just throw a little side of apple juice on there and then, you know. Oof. Okay, I'm going to eat that now. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.